You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here back again with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And we have a great episode today. Once again, we are going into the trenches with a guy who does it for a living. We're going to talk with Colson Hillier of Alorica. We'll tell you more about him in just a moment. But before I do that, a couple of quick announcements. If you've not heard these before, they're important. If you've got a story you want to share or a question you want to ask, just go to any of the social media channels because I'm pretty much everywhere. And if it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep and I'll answer the questions either right there or on this show or on my TV show, which is called Be Amazing or Go Home. And that can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, C-Suite TV. And now we've put many of the episodes on YouTube. You can get the entire first season. Just go to beamazing.tv. All right, let's jump into our session today. We've got Colson Hillier. He is the Chief Marketing Officer for Alorica. Now, this is what impresses me. This is a company that basically, uh, he'll tell you what a BPO is officially, but basically uh, companies will outsource sometimes customer service and other business processes. BP, get it? Business processes. <laughs> uh, anyway, we they will outsource that to other companies. And this is exactly what Alorica does. But here's what amazes me. Just in the last year, 2 billion customer interactions. Think about that, 2 billion with a B, and that's 720 million phone calls. That's 54 million social media interactions. It's 93 million emails. It's 88 million chats and messages. I can go on and on, but they add up to 2 billion. That is a lot. Colson, welcome to the show. This is going to be a great one today. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell us a little bit about Alorica, more than what I just said, BPO. I, I kind of defined it a little bit, but but tell us what you do for some of your clients. Yeah, sure. It's interesting. You know, Alorica, I joined a couple of years ago. I'd never heard of Alorica before I joined. And having been with the company, it is truly amazing the scale and support that we provide some of the world's largest brands. So at our core, Alorica helps our clients, which are B2B clients, to define service experiences and then implement them. And uh, that's across technology. Uh, bringing agents and, and live support and looking at processes that can help improve the service experience. So we've got about 100,000 employees across 14 countries. And you mentioned some of the scale that we operate for some of the largest companies in the world. Right. And get this. So what happens is oftentimes you're calling a company for help and you're really talking to one of your employees, not the company's employees but they've been properly trained and it's seamless. Seems like they're talking to the company. That's exactly right. The most important thing for us to get right is to be able to represent the brands of our clients in a way that sort of helps make them proud and to do right. it in a way that's efficient and effective. So I often uh, think of the customer support department, which is what your folks do a lot of, support in the form of, of uh, phone, email, chat. I don't think they should be called customer support anymore. Right. If they do it right, they should be called the revenue generation department or the save the customer department or, you know, yeah. uh, no. you know, the create the loyal customer department. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I, you know, your, your comment about moments of magic is really what it all comes down to, right? Our, our customers spend billions of dollars building their brands and retail stores and products. And when it comes down to the moment that's most impactful for a customer, it's often, uh, with one of our agents or one of our chat folks on the line. And, you know, this isn't just about trying to resolve problems. 
It's about trying to make sure that the customer gets what they need, whether it's care or an opportunity to better solution for a, uh, you know, a new product or service or uh, helping to manage some of the brand reputation uh, as well. All right. So I, I think that's, that's a tweetable moment just now uh, <laughs> that it's, no, I, I think about it because uh, you just said it's not just about customer support. It's about, and you fill in the blank with all the other things that are used to nurture that relationship to a higher level. And I'll paraphrase it if I can, but I always like to grab some quotes and put them in to Twitter or LinkedIn. And, and so that's perfect. Well, let's jump over into an area that I think is important. You talk about something called the feedback economy. And I'd like you to elaborate on that. It's all about brand reputation defined by the public, which is the customer. So give us some insights on what you mean by the feedback economy. Well, the feedback economy, the, really the core principle of it is that the customer is at the center of everything that you do. And, uh, you know, their opportunities to engage with their customers has never been more robust. So, you know, whether that's through uh, user generated content, ratings and reviews, uh, interacting, um, you know, with uh, all kinds of digital channels, um, you know, the importance of having the right sort of policies and processes and technology in order to harness that amazing sort of, you know, think about it as a, as a, as a global focus group of billions of people that can be constantly giving you feedback on how to do better. And it sort of shifts the service model a little bit on its head instead of, you know, focusing on broadcasting, here's who I am and here's why I'm great. It focuses on listening and understanding where the customer's pain points are and addressing those in a way that's very sort of tailored, not just to the individual, but looking for trends with cross feedback to help you make more systemic changes to your organizational structure or policies and such. Great. And, and where do you go to get that feedback and how do you get it? Yeah, so that's a great question because it changes and it's a very dynamic space, right? I mean, the traditional ways that you would go to get feedback would be like a, a, an NPS score, right? And if you think about the sort of breadth of an NPS score, you can get a lot of people to respond, but the depth of what you're learning about your customer is fairly limited and your ability to take action that's really pointed and resolves that customer's issue is not necessarily tied into that, that experience. So, you know, today there are hundreds, if not thousands of different avenues for an empowered consumer to go for help or to make their voice heard. And almost all of it is a function of some, you know, uh, website, mobile app, forum, uh, et cetera. And so you have to have the right tools in order to be able to scan all these different touch points uh, of customers and really just open up a, a very high top of funnel in order to bring that data back into a manageable sort of um, framework where you can take action. So, you know, where you go to get it is all over the internet, mobile apps, chat, and how you get it needs to be done with uh, traditionally technology-based uh, solutions that help you to harness any brand mentions or hashtags or, or uh, you know, tweets and comments that, that reference topics or your branding directly. Right, now I know that, that your company does not provide the software, the solution that goes out and grabs this information about when a brand is mentioned. Um, is there a particular software solution that you like or two or three that you like? Because a lot of people are going to wonder, well, how can I find out how people are talking about me? If, is there something out there that will let me know anytime I'm mentioned? 
Sure. Yeah. And you're, you're right in that we don't develop our own sort of intellectual property in this space. We found it's better to work through uh, partnerships where this is what they do, you know, from the day the minute they get up to the minute they go to bed. But an example would be like a reputation.com or a sprinkler mm. um, that do right. a really good job of harnessing all this information. I, I think, you know, an important point there, Chef, is that uh, the technology is only a piece of what it takes to get this equation right. And, and that's really why customers work with us is because if you don't have the right sort of backstop to that technology so that you're taking action and that you've got the right sort of judgment and empathy and ability to sort of close out a, a customer issue, um, you know, you're really, you, you, you're not solving or you're not really advancing the, uh, the mission. And so like many of our businesses, it's the combination of the technology with the agents and then knowing how to execute it in a way that, that uh, really helps you move the needle on your, on your core uh, KPIs. Right. So just uh, to throw an idea out there for, uh, we've get, we have listeners from all different types of companies, huge, large fortune 50 companies, all the way down to, you know, almost solo entrepreneurial types. And I think uh, it's very intriguing to know when somebody is talking about you online, be it in a review, uh, be it a mention in an article, um, anything. One of the easiest ways is simply go to Google and set up an alert. Now that's a very basic way and it's not to get you everything you wanna know, but if you wanna know when you're mentioned in a social media channel or uh, even an article, Google can do a pretty good job. But when you start looking at, as you mentioned, Sprinkler and reputation.com, and uh, these are companies that specialize in finding that information. By the way, just because you have the information, not enough, like to your point, Colson, you need to do something with the information, activate it, put it into good use. Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, there's a lot more that we can learn from Colson Hillier and Alorica. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. The book ships out in September, but purchase it today and you'll get instant access to the ebook at no extra charge. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Colson Hillier. And he said, please just don't say colon. And of course, as soon as he said, don't miscall his name, I'm going, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But I'm going to tell you now, I got it right. I got it right. He's with Alorica. You knew that. And he is the uh, chief marketing officer and really has some great insights. So uh, I know that this is an audio interview, yet I noticed hanging because he, we, we shoot it on video just for fun. We record it on video so we can see each other. But I noticed hanging on his curtain rod behind him was a pair of tennis shoes. And I thought, 
Well, those look a little small to be Michael Jordan's tennis shoes. And he pulled them down and all over the tennis shoe, and I couldn't tell this from the distance, it says Alorica. And I said, what is the significance of that? He says, well, we have our people wear these shoes because we want our people to walk a mile in our customer shoes, which is a great line. If you really want to understand your customer, walk a mile in their shoes. Now, I also know that if you walk a mile in the customer's shoes, number one, you have their shoes. Number two, you're far enough away, they can't hear what you say about them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Thank you. <laughs> but Colson, I think that's great. I think that is so well. It's like, that's what we want our people to do. Empathize and, and uh, empathy is like the big word of the last year or so. But hey, let's jump into it. Experience is a little bit different today than it was back uh, even just a year or two ago. What are brands, what do brands need to do to develop a better experience for their customers? You know, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to listening. Um, you know, there are so many more avenues to understand our customers than we've ever had in the past. And if you don't have the right sort of mindset from the top down that, you know, leveraging things like social or content reviews or, you know, what, how people uh, sort of search for you, um, you're missing one of the most valuable assets that you have as a business. So, you know, increasingly, you know, you talked a little bit about our, our sort of legacy in, in care, uh, the, the, the opportunity to care for a customer from the first time they learn about your brand through their purchase, through their delivery experience, to their support experience, needs to be sort of cared for holistically. And, and the social channels, they don't discriminate. You know, it's not like you can set up an 800 number that you put a big VRU in front of or a call routing mechanism to say, you know, send collection calls here or sales calls here. Um, the idea now is that you've got customers that view their experience with a brand in its entirety, and you've got to be able to, um, you know, capture that. You've got to be able to empower folks in order to solve for those customer pain points, and you need to learn and, and, and change your processes, change your technology, change your products uh, in a way that is responsive and is, um, you know, uh, really putting the customer at the center of, of, you know, your strategies as it relates to how to best service them, meet them where they are. Yep. And, and you use the word empowerment. I want to get to that in a few moments, but, uh, first, uh, what you said was the customer looks at the entire experience. I believe you was use the word holistically. Sure. Uh, this is what I want to emphasize to everybody. Cause this, I think is what your point is. Uh, it doesn't matter whether somebody's in the middle of a sales process, whether they have a question about, which isn't really a complaint or a support call, but it's a question about maybe their bill. Uh, so maybe that's an accounting or finance type of question. And maybe it is support, but to the customer, it's how they're treated. So I have been believing, and I wrote about this in my very first book decades ago. I know I don't look that old, but decades ago, I said customer service is not a department. It is a philosophy. It's embraced by everyone. And it isn't just the support center's job to deal with customer service. Somebody said once that customer service is what happens when customer experience fails. And I said, no, customer support is what happens when experience fails. Service happens throughout the entire um, journey of that customer. All right. So I'm now doing, it's like, you should be interviewing me, but no, <laughs> let's, let's flip it back to you. Any thoughts about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's spot on. And I think that, you know, the, the ability for brands or companies to control that 
end-to-end -end user experience is becoming increasingly challenged, right? So we talked about, you know, the voice of the customer or referrals or ratings or social feedback really influencing a lot of the purchase journey for, for folks that, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to attract. And I think that this is only becoming more uh, complicated as you look at how the overall user experience is a function of an ecosystem of partners for delivery, right? So, you know, take an example like, um, uh, we'll just talk about Verizon. Verizon did a deal with Disney in order to preload their content on uh, phones. And a customer gets home and they're having a problem with accessing the service. Well, they don't know whether it's the network, they don't know whether it's the content service, or they don't know if it's the device. And so each of those players is somewhat independent on or, or dependent on one another in order to get the overall service experience right. So not only is it becoming more sort of um, complicated and opportunistic for, for companies themselves, but now there's more and more of a need for companies to collaborate and work together in order to get a, a service experience nailed down in a world where everything's connected and people rely on each other for shipping or for marketing or for search or for, for things like that. So, uh, so and that, that brings up an interesting point. Um, and I guess the best way to describe it is uh, it's kind of almost like you're not allowed to ever say it's not my department, right. but it may not really be your department. And I'll give you an example. Uh, we'll, and, and the Disney Verizon example is great because maybe I'm having trouble with my password for Disney and I can't get into the you know Disney Plus program if that's what's included. And is that what they include in, in yeah. Verizon? Disney yeah. Program, yeah. yeah, Disney Plus. And I can't seem to get into it and it's not working. I call Verizon. And maybe in calling Verizon, that person can't say, well, that's a Disney problem, not my problem. That's right. I mean, that's, that's what you're saying. Jeff Bezos uh, at Amazon said, um, like he didn't know he was from Amazon. <laughs> he, he said, we don't need a customer service department. We should be so good that customers don't ever need to call us for help. And that works great until something goes wrong with the shipping. And I realize that Amazon has a lot of their own people now, but still, Sometimes it's UPS, it's FedEx, it's the United States Post Office, uh, or maybe some independent carrier that's dealing with uh, part of the shipping. And if that's the part that breaks down, surely that's not Amazon's fault. But as a customer, who am I going to call and who am I going to reach out to? And they're not going to say, oh, once it leaves our warehouse, it's no longer our problem. That's right. They don't do that. Yeah. That's right. But I think that's the point we're trying to make here. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, Amazon's a perfect example because most of the products they're selling are products they manufacture. So you have a problem. What they've done is to actually bring a service experience to all the independent merchants that use their marketplace that those independent merchants can leverage, right? Whether that's feedback loop or ratings and reviews or, you know, ensuring that there's good information available to the customer about the status of their order. Yep. All right. Let's talk about empowerment because this is big. You've got 100,000 employees. And many of them, if not most of them, or even almost all of them are working at taking care of customers, responding to customers, uh, interacting with them at different levels, if not supporting uh, through answering questions, complaints, uh, maybe there's uh, some social media activation that's happening. How do you empower a force like that? That's a big question. Yeah, we spend a lot of time on this because this is the core of our business. And so uh, it comes down to agent confidence, uh, first of all, and that's a function of are they in the right fit for their job? Have they been trained to be able to manage the types of interactions that they're going to be, they're going to be sort of uh, faced with? 
Then there's a technology layer that says, look, you, you, can't, you, you can't jam everything you could ever know into somebody's head and expect them to be able to go out and, and service a customer across their entire customer journey. And so there's a set of tools behind that agent that helps them to make sure that they get access to the right information, that they got the right cues and how to manage certain customer scenarios. And that technology really becomes a resource to the agent. And then finally, you know, we work with our customers a lot on processes. So because we're talking to customers who are frustrated or happy or, or confused, uh, a lot of our ability to resolve the customer issue is based on policy. And so, you know, policies that say, hey, you need to transfer a customer or you can't give a refund or, you know, there's, there's no follow-up ability are all things that we're helping to break down. And so if I, if I think about it, it's, you know, how do you put a, an agent in the right position that they're working on things that they're confident with? How do you provide them with the tools that they need to sort of not just do their job today, but to, to, to grow and expand it over time? And how do you systematically build the, the, the data and feedback mechanism from those agents so that you can look for broken systemic issues like a policy issue that you can mm. help to address for your client. Yep, you use that word policy and I cringe when I hear the word policy because the way you're using it is not a bad way, but unfortunately companies do stand behind this word policy and it becomes bad. You know, mm. it's our policy, we don't do it. Well, it's my policy not to do business with people that say it's our policy, we can't do it. But you're talking about taking uh, rules or guidelines that we need to follow and figuring out ways to make customers happy based on what we learn. How do you feel, and this is kind of a, um, a question, it's tied to empowerment, but how do you feel about the idea of the concept one to say yes, two to say no. You may not be familiar with the concept, but essentially it's giving the agent permission to say yes without having to talk to their manager. But if they have to say no, that's when they have to go speak to a manager or get some approval. But you want them to come up with creative ways to say yes. And when they do something that's different, then they share it with their manager and ideally the rest of the team if it works. Is that something that you've ever put into practice? It is, and 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 it's uh, it's clear it's it's not as prominent as I'd like it to be, Chef. Because you're exactly right. Which is, you know, as a um, at that moment that matters with a customer, if you don't get that right, you have basically put yourself into a penalty box. And so the entire outcome of a conversation should be to get it right for the customer. And if you have the right tools to do that and latitude to creatively problem solve you'd be amazed what people are able to accomplish. Um, and your point is sort of flipping the scale to say, hey, if I don't have those tools, how do I get them? And if the top-down philosophy is do whatever it takes to resolve the issue for the customer, that becomes a critical way for you to learn. It's another one of these listening posts on whether or not the tools and technology and capabilities you've given to an agent are effective or, or, or they aren't. So uh, right. I like that, yeah. And this is more than just for agents, it's for anybody on the front line dealing with customers, giving them permission to do things, but you need, you need to teach them what they can do. Like, hey, if it's illegal, you can't do it. Okay, <laughs> there you go. There's a line in the sand you shouldn't cross. If it's gonna cost the company money, probably shouldn't do it, unless it's under the right situation. But uh, it's, it's great when you empower people the right way. Well, we are just about out of time. I always ask the final question. It's what I call the one thing question is there, one last nugget that you would like to share with us today. 
Well, I, I would just go back to, you know, as a, as a marketing officer, I think a lot about how, you know, we can project ourselves. But the most important thing that I can do as a marketing uh, lead is to listen and to make sure that you take advantage of that and look at the customer feedback as your biggest resource, because that's what's going to lead you to the sort of outcomes that, that you can control and, um, you know, always put the customer and their voice uh, as your sort of North Star in, in how you think about providing service. The customer can guide your success. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you're not careful, uh, not listening to that customer could derail success as well. So great information. Colson Hillier uh, from Alorica. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. We love hearing from people, as I say, are in the trenches doing it day in and day out. And that's exactly what you do. A hundred thousand employees dealing with more than two billion customer interactions. Thanks for joining us, everybody. That wraps it up. Another interview this week. We will have another one next week. So be sure to come back and join us on Amazing Business Radio. And until then, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.